0: Welcome to another bonus episode of the Tech Meme Right Home. I'm Brian McCullough. Do you remember that piece that I did? It might have been a long read. It might not have been. About the economics of Spotify and music streaming generally and how the way things are structured right now, there's no way for a, quote, middle class artist to thrive. If you pay your $10 a month to Spotify, some percentage of that is going to Justin Bieber, whether you listen to him or not. That piece really stuck with me because of the implications it had for artists generally as we moved to this subscription for Everything Future. So I called up The Ringer's Victor Luckerson, who wrote the piece, to talk about this because there are a lot of reasons why the current model could and should be improved. Aside from the economics, there are also questions of play fraud and even how music itself might be getting warped by these incentives. But first, okay... Let's talk about the economics of music streaming with The Ringer's Victor Luckerson. This this piece that you did, I, I think I did it on the show a couple of weeks ago about uh, the basic economics of Spotify really stuck in my head. Um, let's Let's stick with the basics in terms of, as you say in the piece, I think I knew this, but I think most people are surprised about how spotify actually works in terms of how artists get paid so let's do basics first if i pay my ten dollars or whatever a month and uh over the course of that month i only play say morrissey songs or something um Mm -hmm. my whole ten dollars or even whatever the percentage of it it doesn't all go to morrissey right
1: yeah that's right so first off uh the artist is going to get the artists are going to get about seventy percent of the ten dollars, but it's not necessarily going to be for the people that you listen to because Spotify essentially puts all the streams of everybody into one big pot, and then the artists get their share of the total streams. So if you listen, if you listen to Spotify a lot during the course of a month, then you're going to be contributing more money to artists than uh, other subscribers who don't listen, use the service as often as you do.
0: Well, that's the other that's the other wrinkle of it. So if I if I pay if I listen not at all. Not not even not even a second, but I'm still paying mm-hmm. my ten dollars, so then the ten dollars, how does that get divvied up? that give, so that ten dollars or the, sorry, the seven dollars after Spotify's cut that gets mm-hmm. divvied up based on the most popular streams that month.
1: That's exactly right, So really, your ten dollars is going towards a gigan- a gigan- gigantic pot of money for all of the artists, and then whether you listen to a single song or not, somebody's still going to get that money. Um, so that's going to make, make it so that the artists who are able to attract the most repeat streams again and again, I'm going to be making more money than artists who don't get as many streams, sort of re- regardless of whether or not people like either artist more basically.
0: Right. So even if I've never listened to Justin Bieber in my life, uh, every <laughs> month, chances are <laughs> some pennies of mine are going to Justin Bieber.
1: That is, that is very, very likely because he's really good at uh, getting a lot of streams on Spotify.
0: Yeah actually we're going to we're going to come to that in in a second. Um so the in your piece you you spoke to um uh one of these what you call middle class artists that is very vocal about how this sort of economics is unfair to what you termed as um you know the musical middle class. Um mm-hmm. I think we're we're familiar with the idea because we've seen headlines for years. This artist said that you know she um There were two million streams for a combined total of 190,000 hours, um, and she only received $12,000, or about a half a penny a stream. I think we understand that, but how how does if she's describing herself as a middle class musical artist, um, how is that harming her um, in in the sense that she's not getting a bit enough a big enough slice of the pie?
1: Yeah, that's kind of the idea. For somebody like uh Zoe Keating, who is this avant-garde cellist uh, who lives in Vermont, um, she might have fans who don't necessarily stream her songs on repeat as often. She's creating these sort of like moody instrumentals that you're not gonna necessarily play as and that you would play like the latest Justin Bieber pop song, for example. Um the songs are also longer. Her songs are like five to seven, maybe even eight, eight minutes long. So just the fact that it takes you twice as long to play the song. I Means she's getting half as much money essentially as you would if you played the Bieber song twice. So there's a lot of different factors that sort of make it so that it's likely that if we were going to a different model where my money went to the only artists that I listen to, she could very well end up better off.
0: Right. So describe that model. It's, um, I, I believe, a couple uh, maybe overseas streaming services um, have, have moved to this model. But basically, it would be almost exactly what we're describing where. Uh, if I listen to Only Morrissey, Only Morrissey Gets My
1: $7? That's exactly right. So right now, they need they need, to, they need a catchier term for it, but right now the industry is calling this the user-centric model. And the idea is just what you said, that my $10 per month would be distributed among only the artists that I listen to. So essentially, Spotify or whatever service would sort of keep track of your royalties going to each individual artist instead of, having a gigantic royalty pool that the artists all pull from. Do
0: we know why originally in streaming it was this model where it's only you're only counting streams as opposed to that divvying up uh, the money in this user-friendly way?
1: I'm not exactly sure. I mean, the way it currently is is much simpler for Spotify because if we go to the user-centric model, they sort of have to track a different royalty output for each individual user and each individual artist, whereas right now they really only have to do that for the artists. So I think one thing, it might have been a much simpler pro- proposition logistically um, with the current model. And Spotify actually claims that there's so there would be so much of a burden to switch into this model in terms of the logistics, that the, the money they would have to spend on that would lower the amount of money they were able to give out, so then middle class artists might not end up making any more money anyway.
0: Well, and uh as you alluded to in the piece there's a little, uh, i i personally call bs on that because you know, <laughs> listen, the ability to do uh, analytics on these platforms the, the, the idea that they couldn't keep track uh and and slice and dice the data that 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 granularly is is complete bs to me um, mm-hmm. and, and then also, you, in your piece, you pointed out that like they're able to, at their year end, sort of like, this is what happened on Spotify over the course of the year. They're able to give you that data if they want to.
1: Right, right. Yeah, actually, Zoe Keating used to um, work in tech in San Francisco before she became a full-time musician. And her response was, that's kind of what computers are for, to be able to calculate these kind of things. So I think I definitely agree that if they really wanted to, they could. And the fact that other services are considering it or planning to implement it means it's definitely something that's technically feasible.
0: And to be clear, um, do uh, do we know that uh, all of the streaming services, they all use the same, you know, penny per, per stream model like A- Apple Music does as well?
1: Yeah, all the, all the mainstream ones um, have adopted this similar model. And there's also sort of talk about, well, if one streaming service does it differently, that's going to just create more, like, logistical headaches when you have different services that are paying in different ways. So there's, that's sort of been argument, too, that the industry needs to be sort of be in lockstep. So if they're going to switch, it needs to all be done at once versus having one service try to do it by themselves.
0: Okay, well, let's, let's get into that. The idea that um, you could switch to this different model that might cause for less income inequality. So if you're a big star, say a Drake, um are you making big money off of streaming or is like i'm sure drake is making millions of dollars but i would imagine he makes more millions of dollars off of touring you know that's the whole thing um is 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 being on streaming platforms for an artist like drake is that a loss leader or is that a a significant revenue stream that they wouldn't want to uh not give up but like uh minimize in any way
1: I think it's actually something that's kind of in transition because, you know, I guess when streaming first came out, it was sort of seen as more like the wave of the future or something, that's something that ours needed to do to be able to attract young people, but um, it's grown so quickly and the industry as a whole, like recording music has sort of turned around and actually started growing in revenue in the last three to four years after 15 years of decline because of piracy. So we're kind of seeing a transition where streaming was at one point sort of this loss leader type thing like you are saying, but now it's actually becoming very central to um, the industry, and there are actually projections that uh, in the 2020s, sometime, like the streaming version of the industry will be just as big as the 90s version of the industry was the CD era. So, for artists like Drake, for example, they're going to really want to make sure that whatever the model is, it's going to benefit them because this is going to become a bigger and bigger portion of their revenue pie as time goes on.
0: Yeah, I've seen I've seen those graphs too. That that looks like uh, the dream of the 90s is still alive <laughs> in streaming, but right the um. But you, you, you raise an interesting point. Um, so, you know, even Spotify famously loses money still. Um, mm-hmm. And so the smaller artists aren't making that much money. So is it really the the bottom line is, is that the people that are doing well in streaming rising to the fore are the record companies, because once again, their revenue stream is is coming back in a meaningful way.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. And they also own, um, stakes in Spotify. So whether or not Spotify, the company itself is making money, it's still worth X billion dollars right now. And the, the record companies bought in 10 years ago and it was worth nothing. So they've actually made a lot of money and there's actually been debate about whether or not the artists themselves deserve some of that stake because obviously they're the ones who have built Spotify into this, but really valuable platform. So I would definitely say the record companies are going to make off the best for sure. And then you sort of have the mega artists who benefit a lot from the way of how like Spotify is designed, with the playlist sort of guiding you to their hits. Like when Drake's last album came out, like it was based, like Spotify became like a scorpion app basically in terms of the promotion for the album. So like for big artists, like Spotify can be really, really beneficial too. And I think one reason that people like Zoe Keating really interested in this new model is because they're trying to figure out, okay, if the record laborers are going to win and the big artists are going to win, how can I as an independent person also? start generating money sort of in this new paradigm so if, if,
0: there, if we are going to move to a new paradigm um, you said in the piece that the artists have to uh, collectively get together and push for it but, th- but that makes me wonder like who would be the one with the most to lose if the current model goes away would it be the record companies would it be Spotify who, or would it be uh, big artists like Drake or, or all three
1: So the exact details are actually difficult to predict. Like there's been some studies, there's a study in Finland actually that said that um, under the current model, basically the the top half of a percent of tracks get about 10% of the money. And if we switch to the user-centric model, then those tracks would only get about 5% of the money. But you don't necessarily know whether the the extra money is going to, let's let's say, like Drake's back Catalog or to people like Zoe Keating um so you kind of have to actually implement the model at scale to figure that out um so that's kind of up in the air but i would say that spotify would would not benefit because there would be less incentive for people to like create extra accounts on spotify to try to generate streams or that kind of thing um so and also the company would have to do like a more they'd have to revamp their entire royalty system which would cost some amount of expense for them so I think as an industry leader, they have very little incentive to want to change this unless there's a lot of activism about it from artists or artists pressuring labels to do it.
0: Well, or maybe even from fans so that I don't have to give any pennies to Justin Bieber. But um, <laughs> you, you mentioned two things um, real quick before before we end. In the existing model, there, there are reasons to shift to a different model because, number one, um, there There are examples of fraud. Like, if it's a pay-per-stream sort of thing, um, you can set up bots. Um, This is actually SoundCloud, more where you can pay for, you know, plays and things like that. But if it weren't – the the incentive for the industry to change their analytics – would actually be for better accountability so uh, you you couldn't just have these things where you know i set up a bot that 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 plays my song a million times or whatever and then and then just basically it's like ad fraud but but for song plays
1: yeah no, exactly um one of the sources i interviewed for my story compared it directly to ad fraud and sort of talking about how yeah if you just want to set up an account right now pay ten dollars a month and stream 24 7 um you're likely not going to be stopped. Like Spotify has some uh, fraud tracking technologies, but as we both know, ad fraud is still widely existent. Um, and there was this uh, incident, I guess, a couple of years ago where someone that was able to get a million dollars in royalties in Bulgaria by setting up uh, 1,200 dummy accounts, basically. Um, so, I mean, I think that there's not really a way to get rid of that problem unless you change the incentive structure.
0: And then um, lastly, I did a piece, I think it was last week, uh, a different piece than yours about how the, the length of songs is actually getting shorter because artists are incentivized, again... Uh, to go for this, uh, the more plays, the the more pennies. And so it's sort of the analogy I made is, you know, if you release a three hour epic movie, it can only play in, in a theater so many times a day. But if you release a, a nice 90 minute movie, it can play multiple more times a day. So um, it's sort of the current model is warping the very nature of, of the music business at the moment.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely a really fascinating insight. I think you see that especially in hip-hop with a lot of the artists who sort of started on SoundCloud. A lot of these current pop hits from them are like even under three minutes. And for those kind of people, those kind of artists, like they're going to be making more money that way. So it's definitely not only a sort of issue of fairness or even sort of like wanting to support the artists you like, but it also is actually affecting the music you get to listen to.
0: Well, I also said last week that, you know, as technology evolves, that's that that changes how the music is back in the 50s. You could only put three minutes of, of, of music on a side of a of a single. And then when you had albums, then it became you put 10 songs on there or whatever. So, um, yeah. Do you think that final question? Do you think that um, And this is totally a judgment call? Do you think that we'd get better music if we switched to this um, sort of user-friendly model in the way that it would be almost realigning the audience with the interests of the artists that, that they actually care about most?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it creates, it at least it, at least it removes negative incentives for people to make either songs that are short just to be streamed a lot or to make just songs that are going to be put on repeat in like coffee shops or boutique stores which is often like kind of boring music so i think at the very least it sort of it removes negative incentives and it could create a situation where fans feel a little bit more sort of motivated or they feel a little more direct connection between what they're doing on spotify and supporting artists and maybe kind of getting back to that sense of my music consumption is actually part of my fandom and not just uh, and all you, all you can listen to Buffet that I happen to pay for every month.